This is AFF On Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast, bringing you the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. G'day and welcome to episode 42 of AFF On Air. It is Saturday the 8th of August 2020 and I'm your host Matt Graham. In the last episode, you may remember that I talked about Qantas retiring its last Boeing 747s from active service, but as I mentioned in that episode, there are still two retired Qantas 747s left in Australia. One of those, a 747-400, is at the Haas Museum in Shell Harbour, New South Wales, and the other is a Boeing 747-200, which you can find at the Qantas Founders Museum in Longreach in Queensland. In this episode, I interview the CEO of the Qantas Founders Museum in Longreach, Tony Martin. It's definitely well worth a listen. But first, here's what's making news in the world of airlines and frequent flyer points this fortnight. Firstly, Virgin Australia revealed this week how it plans to emerge from voluntary administration under the new owner, Bain Capital. The new Virgin plans to simplify its fleet and focus on domestic and regional flying, at least until demand for international travel returns. It will remove the Airbus A330s, Boeing 777s and ATR-72s from its fleet, becoming an all-737 airline. Once demand for international travel returns, Virgin may lease Boeing 787s to serve destinations such as Los Angeles and Tokyo once again. In terms of its business model going forward, Virgin says that it will not become a low-cost carrier. Instead, it will position itself as a best value carrier, sitting between Qantas and Jetstar in the market. Virgin will keep most of its lounges, although the lounges in Alice Springs, Wellington and Terminal 2 in Perth will be closed permanently. Virgin's lounges are currently closed still, and Virgin says that they will reopen when travel demand returns whenever that is, but for now they are closed. Virgin will also keep its business class product, although there will be some changes to onboard service. And I have to say, I flew Virgin business class last week and I wasn't particularly impressed. There was pretty much no service at all, um, even though tickets are still selling for full price. So hopefully that's just a temporary COVID thing and things will pick up afterwards. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. The good news is that the new owner of Virgin Australia will honour existing Virgin Australia travel credits and extend their validity until 2022. And Velocity Frequent Flyer points will also continue to be honoured. But Virgin will sadly lay off around 3,000 of its 9,000 staff, including some head office and international roles. The sale to Bain Capital still needs to be voted on at a meeting of creditors, which has been delayed again and is now scheduled to take place on the 4th of September. The other big announcement from Virgin this week is that the Tiger Air brand will not be returning. Virgin Australia, which owns Tiger Air, said the decision to axe the Tiger Air brand is due to insufficient demand in the Australian domestic market to support two carriers at the moment. It is unlikely that Virgin will ever relaunch its ultra-low-cost carrier. However, it has opted to retain Tiger Air Australia's air operator certificate for now. Tiger Air suspended all flights in March 2020 after government travel restrictions started to take effect in Australia, and Tiger Air has not flown since. Customers with cancelled Tiger Air flights have been given travel credits to use on Virgin Australia, but not refunds. Tiger Airways began flying in Australia in 2007, and at the time it was 49% owned by Singapore Airlines. But a stake was purchased by Virgin Australia in 2012, and Virgin famously bought the rest of the airline in 2014 for just $1. Of course, this also meant at the time that Virgin took on the airline's considerable debt. 
Virgin Australia did manage to turn the airline around over the next few years, rebranding it as Tiger Air, and the budget carrier did make some money in 2015 and 2016, but unfortunately it has not made a profit ever since 2016. Tiger Airways, of course, was grounded in 2011 by Australia's Civil Aviation Safety Authority over safety concerns, and it was allowed to resume limited flying, although with conditions attached a few months later, and its licence was finally reinstated in 2012, although the brand damage may have never fully recovered. The Tiger Airways brand still lives on. Tiger Air's Singapore, Philippines and Indonesian branches have all been rebranded, but Tiger Air Taiwan still exists. One thing that will hamper Virgin's recovery, though, and that of all the other airlines, it must be said, is the continuous opening and closing of Australia's state and territory borders. From 1am this morning, Queensland closed its border to anyone coming from anywhere in New South Wales or the ACT, and it had already closed its border to anyone from Sydney last weekend. Entry has not been permitted into Queensland from Victoria since March. Returning residents may enter Queensland if they've been in a uh, declared hotspot in the last two weeks, but they will need to quarantine in a hotel at their own expense. From yesterday, New South Wales also introduced mandatory hotel quarantine for anyone arriving from Victoria, with some exceptions, for example, for residents of border towns. Yesterday, I did write an article on Australian Frequent Flyer that explains the current entry restrictions for each Australian state and territory, and it's linked in the episode notes if you're interested. The Woolworths Rewards Loyalty Program has rebranded as Everyday Rewards, which is actually its original name. Under the new rebranded program, you will still earn one point per $1 spent at Woolworths, and you'll still be able to redeem 2,000 Woolworths points for $10 off your shopping or for 1,000 Qantas frequent flyer points. Under the new Everyday Rewards scheme, offers have been rebranded as Boosters, and Boosters will give up to 10 points per dollar spent on different types of purchases. The Everyday Rewards program has also now started to be rolled out in Tasmania as of last Thursday, and it will eventually replace the current frequent shopper club in that state. Etihad Airways will now offer full refunds to all passengers that purchase tickets in Australia if their flights were cancelled by the airline due to COVID-19. It comes after the ACCC engaged with Etihad Airways over concerns that passengers were being illegally denied refunds or had been given misleading information regarding flights that were booked in Australia and did not operate. This applies to all tickets that were purchased in Australia for travel on Etihad. If you're affected, you should have already been contacted now by Etihad or by your travel agent. The CEO of the One World Alliance, Rob Gurney, has confirmed that Alliance-wide upgrades will be rolled out around the end of this year. This means that you'll soon be able to use frequent flyer points of any One World airline to upgrade on any other One World carrier. So, for example, you may be able to use Qantas frequent flyer points to upgrade on Qatar Airways, American Airlines, British Airways, Malaysia Airlines, Cathay Pacific, or any other One World airline, even Royal Air Maroc, the newest member. However, the full details of how this will work are yet to be released. Star Alliance already offers Alliance-wide upgrades, but sadly these are almost useless to the typical flyer, and hopefully the One World um, upgrades won't be quite the same. But yeah, the Star Alliance upgrades are useless for three reasons. Firstly, upgrades are only available when purchasing the most expensive fare classes, so for example, full Y or B class in economy, um, if you're upgrading to business. And these flexible airfares can often be just as expensive as a discounted ticket in the higher cabin anyway. 
Also, upgrades are subject to award availability in the premium cabin, uh, which obviously could be limited on some airlines. And the number of points that you generally need for a Star Alliance upgrade awarded are often almost as high as what you need for an outright award. So in most cases, it doesn't really make sense. But nonetheless, it's good to have the option. Yeah, One World will be introducing these soon, hopefully with a little bit more flexibility and in a way that's a bit more useful to the average flyer. And finally, Qantas Frequent Flyer has launched its new Dream Planner tool, which it says will send real-time notifications of reward seat availability to frequent flyers. Designed to make it easier to redeem Qantas points, the service will also inform Qantas customers of special offers to their favourite destinations. The Qantas Dream Planner allows you to choose your favourite Qantas destinations and then set up alerts for classic flight reward availability on Qantas flights around your preferred travel dates. If a flight reward seat then becomes available to a destination on your watch list, Qantas says it will send an email notification using real-time data. This is pretty good. It's a free service and it's easy to use, so it's a welcome addition for Qantas frequent flyer members, but it is not quite a match for Expert Flyer, which lets you send up to 200 real-time award seat alerts on many different airlines. Recently, Virgin Australia also launched a new website, which is more closely integrated with the Velocity Frequent Flyer website, So it's a promising sign given the state of Virgin's previous website, but we can expect to see more of this kind of thing to come from Virgin as well under the new Bain Capital ownership. That's what's making news this fortnight. For more regular news updates and deals, subscribe to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette or follow us on Facebook and you'll find all the details at australianfrequentflyer.com.au. Did you know that you can get more from your Australian Frequent Flyer membership by upgrading to Silver or Gold membership? For just $50 a year, Silver members see no advertisements on the vast majority of community forum pages. And for only $75 a year, in addition, Gold members can receive discounted travel goods and services valued at over $400 a year, including discounts on Qantas Club, NordVPN, Expert Flyer and more. Most importantly, by upgrading your Australian Frequent Flyer membership, though, you'll be supporting the website and this podcast. For more information, visit australianfrequentflyer.com.au forward slash upgrade. This week, I've been travelling around outback Queensland, and one of the places I visited was the wonderful town of Longreach. You may recognise the name Longreach because it's printed on the side of every Qantas Boeing 747-400. And that's not a coincidence, as well as referring, of course, to the long range of those aircraft. Longreach is where Qantas first started its operations. Although Qantas was actually born in the nearby Queensland town of Winton, the first ever Qantas flight departed Longreach for Cloncurry on the 2nd of November 1922. And in fact, Qantas even built its own planes at its first Longreach base. And it was one of the only airlines that has built their own planes. Qantas has a long and proud history in the town of Longreach, which is why it's now home to the excellent Qantas Founders Outback Museum. And while I was there, I had a chat with the museum's CEO, Tony Martin. I hope you enjoy the interview. Well, today I'm in the outback Queensland town of Longreach, which should be a must-visit for any aviation enthusiast because it's home to the Qantas Founders Outback Museum. And joining me right now is the CEO of the Qantas Founders Museum, Tony Martin. Welcome to the podcast, Tony. Thank you very much, Matt. So Longreach is quite a significant part of Qantas's history. What's the story behind Longreach? Why is there this museum here? 
Well, we're very proud to boast we're a place of national heritage. Um, so we have the oldest civil aviation structure, the, the very first Qantas hangar sitting here in our precinct, which is national heritage listed. So the story uh, is firmly entrenched uh, in the beginnings here in Western Queensland. Mm. And so how is it that the, this museum came to be here in Longreach? Um, look, it's, it's a great story, the great question actually, because I, I, when I'm asked that question, I often um, uh, draw on the similarities between the founders of the airline that, uh, who had the same vision, drive, passion and tenacity as uh, our founders of the museum did. In, um, so the people who started the museum in 1996, well, it was quite a few years before that, they had, they had the idea, but um, they had the drive and the vision to, to start the museum here. And it started in that humble tin shed, the, the National Heritage Listed Hangar, which it is today, um, to become what, what it is today, a multi-million dollar world-class museum complex. Yeah, it's very impressive. So there's the museum and there's also quite a few historic uh, Qantas aircraft on display. Um, yeah, what, are, what are the aircraft you've got? Yeah, look, the, and it's just at your, your first point uh, when you said you know, it's a must-see for aviation enthusiasts. It's, um, um, yes, I think that is most certainly part of our audience. But um, when you think about it, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible story for, for all Australians. It's part of our, yeah. it's part of our um, aviation heritage but it's a story about people first and foremost and um, I, I like to think the aircraft are, are wonderful displays, they're wonderful artefacts but they're, 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 they are a result of what some amazing people have been able to achieve. Um, so those aircraft, um, we've got, uh, we've got uh, our big girl sitting out there, the Jumbo, the 747. Unmissable. No, unmissable, yeah, and it's uh, what, a, what a great billboard as you're driving across mm. these beautiful flat plains out here in Western Queensland and you see that big red tail sitting on the horizon. It's quite surreal. Mm. Um, then we've got uh, our 707 and it's uh, the number one, 70, Boeing 707. That's uh, number one in Qantas's fleet. We have a Super Constellation, we have a DC-3, we have a Catalina, and uh, we have some beautiful full-size replicas of a DH-50 and a DH-61, not to mention pride of place in the centre, uh, sitting on a revolving podium in the middle of the museum, in the main auditorium is the Avro. Oh, wow. So those, those last ones, were those some of the first planes built for Qantas? Yeah, those very first planes. And, and what, what a great story Qantas has, you know, to one of the only airlines to, to actually build its own aircraft and, yeah. you know, and built here in, in the Qantas hangar in Longreach. And I guess you've still got that hangar right here, do you? We do, we do. And it's, uh, yeah, it's one of the things I was very proud of. Um, I started with the museum in 2008 and uh, pushed very hard to get that building on the National Heritage List, which, um, which occurred in 2009. So it's a place that is, um, is protected now and, uh, and is, is there for all generations, future generations. And 
putting a building on a national heritage list also opens up a whole a whole stream of um, funding for us as well to be able to sustain and preserve that that amazing building and thus preserving a, a great part of Australian history. Absolutely. I want to talk a bit more about the planes in a moment, but firstly, um, you've been here, as you said, since 2008, so you've been here now for 12 years. How did you end up um, becoming the CEO of the Qantas Founders Museum? What's your story, Tony? Yeah, that's a, that's a long story. So I had no, no, uh, no interest in aviation whatsoever. And um, the only thing I knew about aircraft was they got you from A to B oh, right. uh, quicker than walking yep. <laughs> or, or other modes of transport. Um, um, you may pick up from my accent, um, I'm not a local. I grew up in the UK, um, have had uh, jumped around with careers um, in military to uh, teaching to um, uh, tourism. So I arrived in Australia in 1997 and was um, then joined an amazing project with some incredibly amazing people, which was the Sydney Harbour Bridge Climb. Yeah, um, everyone knows the Harbour Bridge Climb. Yeah, yeah. And look, I used to pinch myself to think, um, you know, here's a POM working uh, working on the other side of the world on one of the most iconic structures in, in the world, in one of the most beautiful harbours in the world. Um, so it was great. I had six years there and then um, then was uh, poached to go and start up the Storybridge climb oh, in, in, in Brisbane. And uh, yeah, and I had, uh, had a few years with them as the um, Director of Operations. And um, then my wife and I, we moved to Bundaberg. My wife got, a, got offered a, an amazing uh, career promotion that uh, she took up. And professionally, it was pretty quiet for me. But um, look, uh, true story, we actually we, we bought a puppy, a German short-haired pointer, I think it was back then. Um, and, and we were putting, uh, putting some newspaper down in the laundry to, for downstairs for the puppy to do its business on and where it was sleeping. <laughs> and my wife was, uh, was just uh, stretching out these sheets of newspaper and lo and behold, there was an ad for yeah, the Qantas Founders Museum in Longreach was looking for uh, looking for this position, and um, and my wife said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And I thought, "Wow, I'd been through Longreach some years previously in 2003," and um, I said, "Well, you know, we'll never know if we never go." So um, I, I threw my hat in the ring and uh, was successful with the interview, and um, and. Um, we actually were only thinking to give it two years, uh, two, oh, right. two year bush time. My wife was with uh, the ABC and transferred with the, to the ABC here in Longreach. Anyway, 12 years later and three children born in the Longreach Hospital, this is, oh, wow. uh, this is well and truly home for us and it's, uh, it's one of the most amazing communities. It's, mm-hmm. Outback Queensland is, um, has so much to offer mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's interesting when people ask me, how do you, um, how do you stay in a community or live in a town in a, in a, in a remote area? And it's, it's, you've just got to, the, the simplest answer is the people. You know, towns like this have everything you need, not necessarily everything you want, but um, those things you want are accessible and you enjoy when you get to travel away. Oh, what a great story. Mm. I want to go back to talking about the some of the aircraft. So obviously the 747 is the, the one that you see first when you're driving into Longreach or when you're flying in on, on Q-Link or Rex. How did you end up with the 747? Did Qantas offer it to the museum or yeah, how did that come about? Yeah, look, uh, we've got a great working relationship with, with Qantas. We're not owned or operated by Qantas. We're totally independent. But 
the the relationship we have with them is is fantastic. You know, we we're the custodians of uh, of of that of that history. Mm-hmm. Um, so in two thousand two, that uh, city of Bunbury, that seven four seven, landed here in Longreach, and it was uh, donated by by Qantas. And you know, we're incredibly grateful for that because it's been such a great wealth provider for us. You know, people. Um, People can get up close and personal, you know, they can touch it, they can go and sit in the flight deck, they can walk on the wing, they can climb down in the computer bay and the cargo holds, they can, you know, have a photo in, inside the engine intake, they stand up next to those huge wheels and the landing gear. You, know, you just you don't get those experiences even today with aircraft because it's no. yeah, it's very clinical when you board and and exit um, an aircraft these days and you certainly don't get to um, get to go and see all the intricate details and flight decks these days you know for, mm. for obvious reasons so um, people who haven't had the opportunity to even be in or around aircraft you know they're, they're kind of it's it's uh, it's a sense of uh, amazement and wonderment that you know wow these things actually fly you know they're so big and and it's it's just great and and for us to tell the story about these aircraft and, and a lot of technical stuff as well for those who who, who need that or seek that detail is it's really interesting for them yeah, and um, I think one of the newest additions is the Super Constellation. What's the significance of the Connie you've got over there? Yeah, that's uh, it, it's an amazing story. So our our Super Constellation is um, doesn't hold any Qantas DNA. It's it wasn't um, wasn't a Qantas Super Connie because there, there's so few of them still around the world and uh, very few Qantas ones. Um, so we were aware for many, many, many years that there was this one sitting over in Manila in the Philippines at uh, Manila International Airport. Um, and eventually it came up for auction and we were successful in our bid and then we went, oh, okay, we've got to get it home now. Yeah, a bit of a challenge. Yeah, it, it, had, uh, it had sat there for 20, uh, 26 years. It, it, the, this particular one we have started its life with the, with the US Navy and then was um, was purchased by an agricultural fisheries company, Winkies Fish, who operated oh. it, and then it was um, then it sat in uh, Manila International Airport for for 26 years, and um, we went over there again. Qantas, a fantastic team of engineers helped, volunteers came over and helped us. Uh, uh, two things: we had to pull her out of the mud, um, get some get some of the landing gear working and, and, and movable, the wheels that is. Um, then we worked on a, a disassembly project. So we, we, we took the wings off the four engines, that big tri, famous tri-tail and all the landing gear. And then we fabricated some big, big crates for it, um, frames, steel frames. And, and then short story is we moved it from the airport to the seaport. Um, which took a very, very long time because there were we couldn't actually get there because of roadworks and um, oh. and they, they were building a new uh, uh, bypass in in Manila. Oh, so right. we only had to travel about seven kilometres, oh. but we had to wait almost twelve months to get there. Oh my goodness! Um, but we did get there, and then we we uh, got to the seaport where we put all those parts on a on a ship and shipped it into Townsville into. The port of Townsville in Queensland, and then it came by road into Longreach, where the big restoration project and reassembly project began. Oh wow! Yeah, quite a quite a challenge. To get yeah, it's a, it's pretty epic. Uh, pretty epic um, 
project. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it's it's that's, those sorts of things are what really really excite me within my yeah. my role and the diversity of the role and. Yeah, you know, whether it's um, yeah, some years ago we brought a we found our Catalina in Spain where it was originally being used as a fire bomber, and uh, was painted in colours that looked like a New York taxi. Oh. So um, and we flew that home, and we had we, oh, we had issues with that too, which you often do with uh, aircraft of that age. But um, you know we overcome those challenges, and and now it's here painted in the. the Qantas colours and for our guests to enjoy and, and another fabulous story about the, the the men that operated those those amazing double sunrise flights during the war. Um, it's it's just a wonderful story to tell. Yeah, do you want to tell me about the double sunrise flights? Yeah, so the, the Catalinas uh, operated during the Second World War and they uh, essentially kept the communication lines open between Australia and the UK and still hold the world record for the longest flight, you know, um, you know uh, upwards of 32 hours continuous flying. It's just incredible in the 1940s too. Yeah, you, you, you imagine uh, travelling for that long and they're not, they're not the most comfortable uh, aircraft and, uh, when, when you look at them and incredibly noisy too. So um, the, the crews that operated them were just amazing, absolutely amazing. They were operating through um, Japanese-occupied waters. Uh, they often had to fly in complete radio silence using often uh, celestial navigation in, in, in some areas. Um, so incredibly brave crews that, that, uh, that flew these. And um, look, and we, um, we, we, we do a lot of work with, um, with the d- different histor- historical departments, including the Australian War Memorial, where you know, we're trying to get these guys um, recognised for their service during the war. You know, they, they, flew, um, they flew very important people, um, you know, high-ranking military officers to, and, um, and, and government officials, and, and not to mention all the microfilmed communication that's all, all, all microfilmed to reduce weight very important communications between uh, between countries as well as mail and other other things so an amazing service um, yeah. Mm. yeah well you, you mentioned um when you got the connie back from the philippines you got the help from a lot of um, volunteers from Qantas and and um, people like that um are most of the people working at the museum former Qantas staff or are they locals or um yeah, who, who have you got working here? Yeah, so it's 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 wonderful that we are able to employ. Um, we're, we're probably not the biggest employer in town, but certainly up there with one of the biggest. We've got thirty-seven staff. Okay. They're all locals. Um, oh. I think anybody who's staying and living in town is a local. <laughs> um, so they're largely um, they're largely people that are that are that are here. And look, I, I I love that the museum can be so diverse in what it does for for our community as well. You know, we've um, there are many 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 strings to our bow here as a museum. Um, we're, we're so much more than a traditional museum. Mm. So, for example, you know, with with the staff, um, we've got people who have been with us since school age. So they've they've come and worked a, a weekend job. Uh, worked through the school holidays and through our mentoring program and our educational program, we uh, we we've got those people now. They're frontline managers. Um, they move into communications roles or marketing and event roles. Um, they they become customer service managers, trainers. So um, it's it's absolutely important, vital for us that we we bring our people up through the ranks. We we train and employ from within. <laughs> And um, 
I think it, it proves um, it's such an important industry. You know, are museums in the tourism industry? I often have this debate with people. Absolutely, they are, because it's it's tourism that and tourists that visit us that that are our wealth providers that keep keep us going and sustain us. So. Um, it, it's it's great that uh, our young people understand the pathways in education and and careers within the tourism industry and throughout the cultural sector and museums as well. It sounds like one of the best school holiday jobs you could ever ask for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get to, a lot of people coming and they go, oh great, we get to play around these beautiful big aircraft and we're part of a place of national heritage and it's it is it, it's yeah. it's quite um, it's very re- I find it's very rewarding for them and quite humbling and uh, something that. They're, they're very proud of and our community is very proud of um, our story. Absolutely, and they have every reason to be as well. Um, one of the um, uh, most recent additions here in Longreach is um, the... You've got now the big cover over the aircraft, mm-hmm. um, even over the 747, and you've also just put on a new light show, the luminescent experience. Yeah, so our aircraft uh, sit un- now sit under a roof. So out, out there we've got the 747-707 Super Constellation DC-3. They sit under an 8,000-square-metre roof. Um, that in itself is, uh, is an incredible structure um, and um, certainly uh, one that's that's talked about. So the idea for the structure to protect the aircraft uh, first started in 2002 when we saw the arrival of our 747. So we needed to protect those from the, that harsh western Queensland sun. But we didn't just want to put a roof over these aircraft, we wanted to create an experience as well. So um, some years ago I had the idea for uh, for light and projection and, and, uh, and sound um, and we've uh, pursued that and today and you know, we're actually now showing the, uh, a world-class, world-first, luminescent, long-reach uh, sound and light projection, which encompasses uh, projection on the 747, the, the 707 thing. Some amazing things happen in and around the, the super constellation, as well as uh, the roof structure uh, platform and um, and the ground below. So it's, it's, it's a pretty unique canvas for our guests to enjoy something quite amazing. Absolutely. I saw the luminescent long reach last night and I have to say it was absolutely brilliant. It was just so incredible, the amount of detail and work that's gone into it. Um, and it was a really enjoyable experience, I have to say. So yeah, congratulations on, on that. Thank you. And I have to Thank ask, you. what's next for the museum here? Any projects in the works? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, uh, it's, uh, we, we, as a museum, you have to keep, keep your foot on the gas. You've got to keep diversifying and bringing, bringing new experiences for our guests. Um, you know, we've got thousands and thousands of stories to tell. So more, more um, the more curation of uh, future light shows. Um, we, we're hoping to complete uh, an elevated walkway which takes you around the uh, up above the roof line uh, of the of the, the the air park, so you, people can go along a walkway and view those aircraft from above. Um, that's that's a project. We also want to um, create a in one of our buildings um, a restaurant area f- which um, faces the the airport and the mm. the runway um, as 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 we grow the business you know we think about uh, 
how we can diversify in that space under that roof now for corporate events and uh, you know, music events as well, uh, and really use our museum spaces to um, to create new new streams of income and diversify how we how we operate, and of course you know creating more employment for our our remote community as well. And if people have another reason to stay an extra night in our community, the knock-on effects and the benefits for, for everybody here is, uh, is fantastic. Absolutely. And um, this year also, of course, is the 100th anniversary of Qantas. Have, mm-hmm. have you got anything special planned for that? Look, we had, um, before that uh, little pandemic that's getting around, I, I don't mean to be flippant about that. It's talked about so much, uh, obviously. and um, But that, that essentially um, pushed all our major events that we had planned for this year, um, postponed to 2021. But, you know, Qantas, uh, we're 100. Uh, the birthday is actually on the 16th of November. Um, so we're actually looking at uh, using... 16th of November to springboard those events again which will carry us through to 2021 Um, so we had uh, fly-ins planned we had um, huge red and white gala balls and dinners and uh, yeah lots and lots of events so um, I think for our guests to to keep keep an eye on uh, our uh, our promotions and our websites and our media for for those events and those dates that we'll be hoping to um, hoping to put out there soon for for how we're going to reactivate those celebrations yeah. next year yeah and I guess with the pandemic it's um, it's more important than ever to get um, tourists in unfortunately at the moment not from Victoria or New South Wales or the ACT but that that will obviously you know they'll be able to come back at some point but I wanted to ask how has the museum adapted to to the pandemic and have you had to make any changes? Yes, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, uh, one, one of the one of the most gut wrenching things was having to close the museum for three months and let uh, thirty seven staff go, of which we've managed to get two thirds back. Um, so. It's a new world for for us. It's a new world for for any business. You know, the tourism and hospitality industry has been one of the most hardest hit industries in the country and and globally. You know, as we've seen that with the downturn of um, of many many airlines. Um, but you know, to to adapt, you, you have to adapt. So you know, we're working under under restricted numbers. Uh, bookings now are absolutely essential. We've got. Um, got a, a brand new online booking system which uh, which we're working with our, our guests to help help them uh, streamline their experiences and, and times that they they need to come and visit um, it, it's it is disappointing to hear the borders closing again but uh, you know I, I actually support that I think um, Queensland as a state and uh, and our, our state leaders have done a sensational job in in, in uh, keeping that curve incredibly flat for for Queensland. And um, yes, you know we we largely depend on domestic market. That's ninety percent of our visitation is is uh, is domestic. So, you know, I suppose the upside, if there is an upside to COVID, people will probably now spend more time in their own backyard. And appreciate what's in their backyard, and appreciate the amazing Australian history and culture and experiences that we have out here in our amazing outback Queensland. Absolutely, and I mean, if not for the pandemic, I would be overseas right now. Sure enough, here I am in Longridge. Well, so. I'm so glad you are here, mate. It's great to meet you. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here. Just, just finally, um, other than obviously coming and visiting, how can people support the museum here? Look. Um, 
I think pe- people who do, who do visit the museum need to share their experiences and need to talk about their experiences. Uh, that that viral marketing is always sensational for us. Um, we are a not for profit. We we are a registered uh, charity as well. If there's anybody that that wish to uh, donate or support one of our projects, that that's another way of helping. Or if somebody's interested in volunteering, uh, we have a number of volunteer projects. And you know, you haven't got to be uh, an aviation enthusiast. You haven't got to be um, have a, have a certain skill. It might may just be that you're supporting our curator and um, doing some data logging, and that's a fantastic job actually, because oh, right. they they go through some. Um, We've got some amazing things. Yeah, museums probably only have the opportunity to to display maybe fifty percent of what they have at, mm-hmm. at any one time. So there's fifty percent of, of magical little goodies sitting in a curatorial store that right. uh, that that needs to be uh, registered, cared for, uh, and and planned for. So as you rotate exhibitions in a museum, so yeah, pe- people working in and helping in those areas is is always great. Not to mention, you know, we've got a huge complex to. to to look after now and you know um, we've got volunteers that come in here and uh, do some landscaping for us and oh. uh, yeah but um, there's many many ways you can help the museum and um, yeah I think uh, but the biggest one is um, as you've already said Matt come, come on out here and experience our, our community and uh, and what, what we have out here. <laughs> well thank you so much Tony Martin for joining me on the AFF on Air podcast I really appreciate your time and all the best with the yeah look a, a, a virtual high five because yeah. we can't COVID, be social COVID bump. yeah thanks <laughs> good to meet you Well, that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thanks again to my guest, Tony Martin, and thank you so much for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. And there you'll also find a link to the AFF On Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss this episode or provide feedback and suggestions about the podcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would really appreciate if you take just a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, take care.